Well, hello. We are back again for our Rocky Mountain Mamas podcast. It is February 19th, and today we have a special guest who also happens to be my father, Keita Andrews. And so we have discussed what it really means to be a life coach. I have mentioned it a little bit, and I know Gigi, um, my um, former co-host, had both been coaches in the past, but as far as longevity in life coaching, I would have to say that you'd probably be the poster um, representative of that, Dad. So if you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself and um, telling me a little bit about your background to start. Uh, Well, as you said, I'm Keita Andrews, and um, I've been probably involved in life coaching for uh, many years, well, the majority of my life, uh, to be quite honest about it. Uh, I'm a pastor in the Aurora, Colorado area, and so much of what I do centers around life coaching, either in fact or in principle. So, yeah, that's been the focus of my many years of work slash ministry. What do you mean by principle? Um, you know, life coaching doesn't have to be a formal relationship, but I think in principle, we are all coaches to someone in some form or fashion. If you're a parent, you're a coach. If you are a coworker, you're at times a coach. If you're an employer, uh, you're a coach. If you're a manager, supervisor, you're a coach. So even though it may not be a quote life coaching formal relationship, there are principles of life coaching that weave through all of our relationships. So that's what I mean by principle. So you mentioned a lot of different roles um, in terms of the hats that we can wear in in, um, the coaching lane. But what is it your niche? What is it that you love to coach people in that you think is your strongest suit? Uh, It's not so much what I like to coach people in. It's why I like coaching, period. And why I like coaching, period, is because I love seeing the transformation of people's lives. Uh, It's something that I experienced in my own life due to a, quote, coach. But I think what happens in that relationship is transformation. And just the intentionality about it is what excites me. So overall, it really is about helping people, coming alongside people, advocating for people, being their champion in some respects, but it's all about making them the best they can possibly be. Mm-hmm. So I have to note, since this is very uh, very organic podcast, you may be hearing my, my baby crying in the background. My granddaughter. <laughs> um, that's the whole thing is that, you know, coaching can be very authentic. It can be unscripted. And this is exactly what it could be is um, disruption in within the relationship. I know that we had talked about uh, a relationship that you have had um, 
recently where you had to part ways. And so within that coaching field, I know that there are times where you can feel very full and inspired by the relationship, but there are also times where you would need to make sure that you have boundaries around that. And so how is it that you create your boundaries and what does that look like if you wanted to tell someone practically how to manage your own emotional health and um, lifestyle and balance and then how you can also pour into others and not at your expense? Well, I was in a meeting this morning, in fact, with a group of life coaches uh, that I've been honored to not only work with, but also train and supervise. And we were talking about that very, very thing. In fact, the focus of the meeting this morning was about the health of the coach in the coaching process. And that's something that oftentimes gets taken for granted or overlooked, Mm -hmm. but it's something that we in uh, our organization want to be very intentional about addressing the health Mm. of our life coaches. And I need to say, we don't call them life coaches. In our organization, we call them life champions. Mm. And so that's with intentional intentionality about coming alongside someone and really championing their transformation, championing their growth, championing their success. But that's what we really want to be in our relationships with those that come to us in our organization. We want to be their champion. So it is life coaching, but we call it life champion. So our conversation this morning centered around how to maintain the health of our life champions because there are times when people can become enmeshed in a toxic relationship Mm -hmm. and don't realize that they're enmeshed because the toxicity kind of grew on them. Uh, It wasn't a sudden thing. It was a subtle progress or I should should say a subtle digression from what the intentional or the original intention of the relationship was about. So when it digresses uh, and descends into this toxicity, oftentimes the life champion slash life coaches aren't even aware of it. Mm. But for those that heed the warning signs, they become aware of it, but oftentimes don't know what to do about it. In your own upbringing, you briefly mentioned, you just kind of slid it in there, that you have had your own coach. Um, would you mind um, just sharing your journey um, as it comes at, as it relates to your uh, childhood and then um, people that really invested in you and what you've learned? Yeah, I was, I was uh, 17 uh, years old when this particular person came into my life. Uh, He was a few years older than me, but um, he took an interest in me. He was a professional football player, and of course I was enamored by that, but it was a little extra beyond that when he took an interest in investing himself in my life. And uh, that relationship lasted about 43 years. 
And of course, much to my disappointment, it ended at his demise or his death uh, just a few years ago. But for 43 years, this man played a significant role in who I have become, uh, my career choices, my family. Uh, his impact on my life was just about in every aspect in my life. There was not one area of my life that his fingerprints were not on. Mm. Well, I want to delve deeper into um, loss, actually. Because if someone is that invested, and especially for 40 plus years, um, we're going to actually take a break. And I'd like you to think about um, what that means to lose that type of um, relationship and how it is that you cope and not only that, but what does, how has grief showed up in that area of um, losing relationships like that? So we will be right back, um, but I definitely want you to be thinking about that, and we'll look forward to your um, answers and responses. <laughs> All right, <laughs> so we're back, and we're just cracking up because that first segment I get so self-conscious just as a mom, as a new mom, and starting so many ventures, I do keep my baby with me a lot. And so one of the things that the doctor was explaining to me was that uh, my baby, Peace, and I have a very strong bond earlier than most babies. And I think that is really attributed to the fact that I bring her along with me a lot. And so... I couldn't bear to continue to hear my baby crying while uh, she was with my mom um, downstairs. So I'd like to actually tie that back in to what we were talking about with you, Dad, in terms of separation and what is it like to experience separation anxiety when there has been someone who has invested in your life for a long period of time and how do you cope well i i wouldn't call it separation anxiety but it is grief i mean i definitely experienced a period of grief when my mentor my friend uh my older brother so to speak uh passed away a few years ago because again as i said earlier he had a huge, huge impact in my life. He was a huge influence in the person that I've become today. And so as a result, uh, his loss left me uh, without. And that was somewhat shocking. I felt orphaned in a way. But then I also felt, after a while, very proud of the fact that I had such an incredible privilege for over 40 years of having someone like that in my life. And over 40 years, we spoke uh, incredibly often, sometimes three or four times a week. Um, but... You know, the fact that he was the kind of person that he was, uh, he was very large in life. He was an incredible leader. Uh, he had just a tenacity about everything he did. 
Uh, he was not shy. He was incredibly confident. And when I say those things, you know, those are things that I was really, really enamored by and really wanted to um, have in my life, those qualities and characteristics in my life. Uh, he's one of a kind. There is absolutely no question this man was one of a of kind. His name is Tom Graham, and he was, again, a professional football player, but just an incredibly uh, strong man of faith, and I think that was really the uh, big value that he instilled in my life was faith and knowing uh, that my relationship with God mattered for everything. And so that's what he represented. So when he passed away, uh, yeah, it was incredibly, um, it was incredibly painful, but it was actually also incredibly uh, meaningful because we all know life is going to end. Mm. I mean, that's not a mystery. We're all, we just don't know how or when, but we know it's going to end. Yeah. So that's not the part that was shocking, but it was the fact that this man for over 40 years of my, of my life, you know, had such a large presence and influence. So when that was gone, um, that, yeah, that did impact me in so many ways. But even now, as I think about it and as I'm talking about it, I'm just really, really thankful that I had this rare, incredible privilege to have someone like that as my mentor uh, for such a long period of time. And our relationship changed over the years. It, it, it evolved uh, through our, our own maturity. You know, as I got married, as I had my own family, uh, as I came into my own career choices and so forth. So even though at the core of our relationship, it was still mentor-mentee, yet we were incredible comrades. We were very, very close friends. So yeah, I lost a lot of things in that one package, but uh, I'm not... Um, I'm not bitter about it. I'm not sad about it. I'm just incredibly grateful because I had such an incredibly rare opportunity and privilege to have someone like that as involved in the shaping of my life to the degree that he was. It's so good to hear. I wonder what it would have been like had you not had um, that influence in your life. What do you, do you, have you ever thought about that? Uh, not really, because I, you know, I don't really think in terms of what coulda, woulda, shoulda been. Uh, I kind of, and this is what I got from him. I stick to what is uh, reality. It does me no good, and it doesn't really any of us any good just to daydream about what could have happened or sh would have happened or what we think should have happened. We have to deal with the reality that life is the way it is now. When we reckon with that fact, then we can muster up the resources that we need to maximize uh, ourselves, maximize our gifts, our talents, our relationships, maximize the opportunity. I think that's what reality is all about, is being able to maximize the opportunity 
to grow as a person, to be the best person we can possibly be, to glorify God in everything we do. Again, that's what was instilled in me through my mentor, uh, that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And that's what I know he's doing right now, is enjoying God. And uh, what I'm doing right now on this side of heaven is enjoying God, but at the same time, taking advantage of being the best person I can be, whether that's the best husband, whether that's the best dad, or the best grandfather, or the best pastor, whatever. I'm not comparing myself to anybody else. The best is only in terms of my own, uh, my own definitions, my own um, standards of what I believe God has called me to be. Thank you so much. Can we change gears for a minute? As it relates to me and you <laughs> as a father, I'm glad that you set that up pretty nicely. My last episode was addressing this term that people use to dismiss people's um, state of trauma. And for me, mine has been with uh, mental health. And so I've been really transparent in um, in every just avenue, either it be, you know, through podcasts or either it be through my own blogging or interviews or um, articles. I'm pretty transparent about what it's like to have mental health. So how did that affect you? I know that you were talking about reality. What about that was a curveball? How did you learn how to navigate that as a father and find your middle ground there? Hmm. Well, um, that was a tremendous shock. Uh, that was a tremendous learning curve. Uh, we're talking right now over the past uh, 13, 14 years of being on this road and trying to understand... 17. Uh, yeah, 17 years uh, of trying to understand the implications of your mental health condition and um, learning, trying to catch up and learn and adjust. Uh, the one thing that it does, it, it always makes you adjust. Uh, even on the fly, you have to adjust. Uh, and you have to be willing to adjust because the, the whole, I think the whole um, point of it is that that's what love does. Love adjusts. Uh, and so... I think we found ourselves as a family adjusting ourselves around uh, this this malady in such a way as to ensure your health, mm -hmm. your well-being, the well-being of your children, uh, and of course our health and our well-being in the midst of it. So it was and is a roller coaster ride of a lifetime. Mm -hmm. Uh, wouldn't want to do it again, but <laughs> but learned so many things about resiliency. Uh, resiliency is just 
amazing how we as people and even you as a person have become so resilient to your own condition that you've been able to uh, rise above your own circumstances. To me, that's maturity, but it's also resilience. And so that is uh, commendable. I've, I mean, you've heard me say before how proud I am of you uh, just because this is not anything you've asked for. No one would ask for this, quite frankly. Uh, but at the same time, not pe many people have been able to rise above it as I seen you rise above it, particularly in these last few years. Um, what I do in my service at the church is that I'm involved with people who have all kinds of conditions, whether it's addictions, whether it's mental health issues. And so, you know, it's not new to me, but at the same time, this is in my house. This is my family. Uh, you're my daughter. So it's much, much more personal than it would be just working with another person who's not my family, who's not under my roof. The implications and the effects are incredibly different. Uh, so that's, that's the thing that I look at in terms of how you've been able to navigate this but how we've been able to navigate it ourselves and still walk together in it. And that to me is the part that I think is the blessing is we're together and we're still walking this road together. And so that to me is the blessing in it and that's the goal. We, we are not guaranteed. I don't care who a person thinks they are. We are not guaranteed to handle life well uh, and, and come out on the winning side. That yeah. just is no guarantee. But I think when we accept the fact that we can grow through it and we can accept the fact that God has given us a measure of resilience in order to grow through it, then we'll be able to come out on a far better end than we would have ever imagined just by walking together. So to me, that's the whole point of it. And so, yeah, we've, uh, we've been through a lot and, and we'll still go through stuff. I mean, this isn't gonna go away, not until we're laid in the ground, if you will, but we've learned enough to know what we're looking for. We've learned enough to know how to shorten the time spans of the episodes, if you will. And, and we've learned a lot in terms of minimizing the amount of adjustments and impact and trauma that mental health can cause you, that a mental health condition can cause you and can cause your family. Uh, it is traumatic. I'm not going to play around. It is traumatic. <laughs> Very traumatic. Uh, but <laughs> nothing to play with, but at the same time, nothing to be afraid of because fear will only exacerbate it. Yeah. You know, but if you go in boldly and courageously, uh you you can get through it. And I think we have gotten through it. Uh <laughs> man, there's been so many nights as you may recall, but there's been so many nights where you know, we we are two three weeks without sleep mm. trying to figure out, okay, how do we do this? How do we get this? How do we navigate this? Uh and that's 
not just you, but as a family, two or three weeks without sleep. And so being able to be on the fringes of that kind of exhaustion and yet still walk through this together, I think to me is a gift of God. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I think a lot of times I, I have humor around it just to keep from getting too dark about it. Um, But one of the tools that I use is just that, laughter and talking about it and, you know, checking in with people. And, you know, there have been times where I've had to put myself in other people's shoes around that and learning amends, making amends for things that have been done. It's a lot like blacking out and so when people remind you of what happened what I've always appreciated is just that the love and acceptance to to come back and it has been hard to come back from some of those um which the pivot is I was just watching um T.D. Jakes talk about the loss of Kobe Bryant and how his daughter had just been on that helicopter and then he mentioned how just about everything has a has just about everything his family has experienced in terms of turbulence and so a lot of times people think that because you're a spiritual leader that you're immune to certain things but what i have found is more so that um you're more prone to experience these things in order to minister to other people With that being said, what are some things that you feel have really rocked you and the family that you were not prepared for, but was useful in your ministry? Other than, beside from my, my experiences. Uh, Well, you know, there's no perfect marriage either. And so marriage has its own challenges and ups and downs. And so that always comes in useful. I used to always say, man, I've got some great sermon material uh, <laughs> that I get to live out first before I preach it. But, you know, raising kids, just raising kids and the challenges that go along with that. I don't know if I would like to, and you hear people say this, I don't know if I would want to raise my kids in this current time as opposed to the time that I did. Mm -hmm. But I think that's relative anyway. Still, the challenges today are certainly vastly more unique than they were 30 years ago when you were growing up. Um, You know, just with social media especially and how vulnerable, how susceptible, you know, the... um, uh, the attacks, the, how susceptible people are to the misuses of technology and uh, social media. So that concerns me. Concerns me for my grandkids, you know, but I don't get to be as invested in them as I was my own kids. But that's, you know, as it should be. But uh, life itself just teaches us so much. I'm very aware of how life teaches me, what life is teaching me, what God is showing me through life and circumstances. And so 
There's so many things that I grab onto, if not for just, if not just for life lessons for myself, uh, I grab on because again, as a life coach, I'm like, man, I, 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 I use my life as a platform mm-hmm. in so many of my coaching relationships to just simply let people know you are not the first to walk this road and you will not be the last. I appreciate that. And we're going to actually wrap up my last question. I feel like it should be a really big, poignant question. But what would you like to see in your well I had a friend that had thought about what would they say at your funeral what would your eulogy what are some of the talking points that would be in your eulogy uh, you know um, yeah I've thought about that a time or two and you know, I I think that, in fact, I, I have a planner. I use the Franklin Planning System, and I have for many years. And one of the portions in that planning system to get you to think about, to get a person to think about the qualities of life and character that they would like to instill in themselves today, use that as a question to provoke the thoughts of what kind of person we would like to be, that what kind of person we aspire to be. And so it's a great question to kind of put it in that context. But that's the one section in my planner that's empty. It's the only exercise that I did not do and I haven't brought myself to be able to do. Because I think in the end... I don't want it to be about me. Ah, mm. uh, it's really what I would want someone to say of Christ because of me. Ah, uh, I I would love for somebody to be able to say at the end of my life, man, his God is amazing. Uh, because of Jesus Christ in his life, that's who he was. He was, his God must just be amazing. <laughs> so I, I don't, I don't know. I guess I just have an aversion to the question because it kind of makes me the focus. And I'm not. I'm only, I'm only, um. I'm only the chalkboard of the master's hand, you know, and whatever he writes, it's not the chalkboard that gets the glory, you know, it's what's written. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Dad, um, for this candid conversation, um, just your, your honesty and your inviting us into the journey where you are right now. Um, would you mind coming back on the show sometime? Anytime. <laughs> when the baby is quiet and let's <laughs> just calm herself. I want to just thank the listeners for if you have gotten this far in the conversation, 
Thank you so much for your tolerance. Um, we will see you again in two weeks. And man, just thank you for, for tuning in. This is Rocky Mountain Mamas with your host and producer, Marpeza Allen. And until then, you have a beautiful and blessed day.